David Locke, the play-by-play voice of the Utah Jazz. His appearance is here on The Zone, brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Group. David, how are you? Hey, David. I'm great. How are you? Very good. Uh, just, uh, just knocked back a built bar during the break. I'm doing great now. Oh, wow. Look at you. Product placement on the radio. I learned, I learned it from watching you, all right? There Absolutely. we go. Yeah. What? So, yeah, but, I'm good. Um, I'm working you, out of a van down by the river today. Oh, are you in the, uh, you're in the van today? Nice. I'm in the van in the snowbird parking lot and I have yet, I've taken three runs and it's not very good. So I'm not sure I'm taking any more. Hey, you've told me about this. You got to explain this system you got with hands now. So I bought a van in the summer cause I had a midlife crisis and uh, mid- I didn't midlife quite crisis usually means like Corvette, not van, but I got you. Right. So I'm a little different. So, but I turned 50 and had a midlife crisis in the midst of COVID and was used to traveling and not traveling, was feeling very stir-crazy. So I bought a camper van from Robert Jensen and the crew down at General RV. And um, I loved it. And we used it for camping and all the things you would. And I realized what I really bought was a portable office. Oh. So I drive to ski resorts in the morning, and I work out of the van, and then if I get a break, I take a few ski runs. So today I took a few runs, and then I had to take care of a few things and prep for the Jazz and the Celtics. And right now I can't decide whether the skiing is worth going out back out because Snowbird is just totally wind-scoured, and so it's not very good. And so I probably will take three runs and listen to old editions of Locked on Celtics on the drive home and prep for the Celtics Jazz and be all happy. When you told me you had a midlife crisis and bought a van, I pictured you as Murdoch in A-Team, and I'm thinking, huh, that yeah. might be a, I might loved be a... Murdoch, though. I like think Murdoch is probably like one of my life heroes. But it's not quite the A-Team van. No, but it's pretty good. Like, I can make my own coffee. I just had a little salami for lunch. I brought my own granola and yogurt this morning. Like, it's just kind of the best, and no one bothers me because I'm in the van. <laughs> I don't like people that much, so this is pretty good. Just, you just be careful where you park it. Maybe not like public places and stuff like that. You just, you know, right there. was there. a really nice Airstream parked on the side of the street in Salt Lake City for like a week, a few weeks ago. I was like, wonder, like, I was just going to pull up with my, like, <laughs> mine next to it and be like, hey, <laughs> I got a van too. Where are you headed? <laughs> it's the best. But the snow up on the mountain isn't the best, David? No, it's not so good right now. My favorite trip with the van was I got the van and I hadn't seen my parents in ever because of COVID. And so I um, went to go see my parents. And they were like, I was being obtuse. I was like, I'm coming out with our son. And my, you know, and so my dad's like, and I'm like, we're eating at an outdoor kind of like burger place where we grab my burgers and socially distancing. And we're meeting there. It's like, where are you spending the night? I was like, I'm good. Don't worry about it. And he goes, I've got to figure it out. He's like, you sure? Da, da, you know, we can't bring you in here because they live in like a retirement home. We can't have outside visitors. And I was like, no, no, I'm good. I'm totally fine. It's all good. So I showed up and parked. And they're like, what? Because they didn't know I had the van. <laughs> so I just showed up. Like, hi, this is my house. Nice. Good for you. All right, Jazz and Celtics coming up tonight. What were your thoughts on uh, some of the uh, assignments being spread out across the team, mostly to Donovan Mitchell without the loss with the loss of uh, Mike Conley? 
So, uh, you know, Donovan being near triple-doubles, getting a lot of the pub, I thought Donovan's just overall energy was awesome. I thought the team was as dead as you'd expect them to be playing their third game in three and a half nights. I think tonight could be a little tough, too. You know, the old first game. Tonight could be rough. It's their last game of a road trip, and it's our first game back. Like, there's just, like, a lot of things can converging here that could be a little bit of a messy game. Um, but I uh, – I thought Donovan's energy, I thought he showed like a leadership with just playing with a bounce and a juice to kind of help carry the team through. And then Jordan's three buckets late in the third, I thought were vital because frankly, you know, everyone got to take the possession off because Jordan just went to work. And I, I just thought those, the, those two combinations just gave the rest of the group juice. So his passing was great and he throws these incredible passes every now and then. And um, I wasn't, you know, I'm not sure that I thought that Donovan's had the greatest year in regards to reads on the pick and roll and progress, like he and Faves have, have struggled pretty miserably with trying to read each other on the pick and roll and, and doing some of those kind of things. And so I, I thought that, um, you know, I, but I thought he was, he was really good in that game against Indiana and they're not a tough team to match up with, but I, I more than that, I, as I said, I was overwhelmed by his, his juice, his energy is I thought that showed a lot of, of leadership. David, uh, Scotty and I were looking at Rudy Gobert's numbers. He's nearly two points less per game than he was last year, but about the same rebounds, but his minutes are down. And it sure seems to be a tribute to what Derek Favors has been able to do in spotting him. And I just kind of want you to comment on Rudy Gobert's minutes, his production, but also the Jazz ability to move with Derek Favors. And how will that help Rudy in the long run, in your opinion? So I think Rudy's been truly unbelievable. Um, I think um, I can pull it up here in a second. Uh, teams are shooting 41% right now when Rudy is the closest defender. 41%. In the Indiana game, they shot 10 of 27 when he was the closest defender, and Atlanta did the same thing. 10 of 27. Um, I mean, Rudy's just been... He's been as good as he's ever been. Um, you know, he's tried to stretch out his offensive game. It hasn't worked great. He's not shooting free throws great. Um, those would be nice if he if he hit those. But that's, you know, his, his pr- pressure on the rim offensively and his defense has been just, you know, overwhelmingly outstanding. Um, what has been nice is, like, I thought Rudy lacked juice in the Indiana game and was exhausted, rightfully so. Um, and so – when all this, when we went to Derek, we yeah, I think Quinn ran that out a few extra minutes the other night, and the fact that we can do that is a is a beautiful luxury that we just didn't used to have. Um, and you know the fact that Derek can hold down the fort is is great. Um, you know we're so great when Rudy's on the floor. Like I think we're about plus fourteen or fifteen for the season when Rudy's on the floor. Um, once again, despite the fact everybody likes to talk about Rudy not being an offensive player. The offense is in about the 84th or 85th percentile with Rudy on the floor, which is what it always is if he doesn't have a big next to him because he's such a force when there's four shooters around him. And the defense is in the 90th percentile. What's nice is that when Favors is on the floor now, instead of being the minus seven we were last year with Tony Bradley, we're about plus seven. And that's just a, that's a really big dramatic game changer for who we are as, as a team is the fact that you know, and then we're dominant with Rudy. We always have been, but now we're 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 really good in those other minutes as well. Jordan Clarkson, and, and you mentioned him earlier in this conversation, has been absolutely vital to this team. But 
What is there been anything that has surprised you about his game since his addition to the Jazz and his development? Because I think obviously Jordan Clarkson's been good for the Jazz, but I think the Jazz have been good for Jordan Clarkson too. Yeah, I mean Jordan Clarkson was kind of an interesting player because he didn't come with the greatest re- reputation, yeah. right? Like um, he's kind of known as a gunner, non-passer. He had just sort of changed his shot chart a little bit. Like it was like, oh, that's kind of interesting that he's not that he's changed his shot chart, and you you began to think that he was. Um, so maybe he was evolving a little bit, and the fact that he has evolved fully, I think he's taken 10 long twos all year long, and I think in his rookie and second year, he took like 25% of his shots as, two, as long twos. That's pretty incredible. Um, and then what actually um, I'm stealing from Kevin Pelton in a conversation I had with him the other day, Kevin Pelton pointed out that he's actually like just on the exact trajectory of like the great six men who've ever played the game like jamal crawford got drafted by chicago and it was kind of not great and he you know i remember i was covering scott skiles when like crawford dropped 60 or 50 and, and then skiles ripped the crap out of him after the game and it was like wow like he really must not like a guy if he's dropping 50 and then you're burying him after the game um and and so you know, and Lou Williams kind of went through that where he bounced around and they found himself in Toronto and now he's become the, and so, you know, actually Jordan's career is kind of following the path of the, of the great six men scoring six men we've had in this league recently, bounce around a little bit, find your vibe. And now he's here. David, I was looking at this uh, four game stretch that the jazz have. They're playing three of the top four teams out of the East over these next four games, including Miami, who of course was in that, in the big game last year. Yeah, why don't you take it to the next six games? Yeah, and, and you could ex- you could extend it out to the uh, two road games against the Clippers for sure. But right. just these these four games at home against uh, three of the top four teams in the East. What's your expectations, and and uh, what should Jazz fans expect in these next four games? Well, let me quote a great philosopher. It's probably that same Kevin Pelton guy when I called him to find out what he thought of our team. We're not going to win 96% of our games the rest of the way. I know this is really hard for people to understand, but like we've won 15 of 16, right? Yep. We're probably not doing that the rest of the way. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, there's no way. Right? Yeah, like, so. You know, we go four and two, three and three in this stretch. It's great because we're playing with house money after what we built. Um, so it'd be nice if we could go four and two and you could pull them off. I don't, you know, I think you'd like to split with the Clippers if you can, though that you know neither, you're not going to be favored in either of them. And can you can you grab can you grab you know two of these four? That'd be great. David Locke right here on 97.5, 1280 the Zone and the Zone Sports Network as you. Uh, so we kind Can of I look ask a question? Uh, always, yes. If we have the best record in the NBA and we have one player who is statistically more impactful than any other player on our roster, <laughs> why isn't he talked about as an MVP? Offensive limitations? Oh, I'm sorry. He's, when he's on the floor, the offense is in the 86th percentile. It always has been every single time. So his you, limitation is the fact that he rolls to the basket and bends the offense every flip and play. Okay, if Rudy Gobert was doing the exact same thing for the New York Knicks, would he be an MVP candidate? 
If Rudy Gobert was doing the exact same thing he does on defense on offense and what he was doing on offense on defense, he'd be an MVP candidate. Yeah, and and the, and the Knicks were nice. It'd actually be five. a runaway. It would be a runaway if he if he had the equivalent of an offense in the 95th percentile and the defense in the 84th percentile because of his impact on the floor, and that he was in the and he was plus 15 for the season. And the Knicks were 19 and five. Actually, I don't think it'd have to be anybody. It's our just in utter blatant incompetence of understanding defense. Yeah, maybe maybe a, a disrespect of what defense means to the outcome as well. I mean, at least it feels that way. But I'm used to all that stuff. People have disrespected offensive linemen, and they've disrespected the defensive side of the ball on a football field for years. It's it's always about the guy that throws it, and the guy that catches it, and the guy that runs it. Hans thinks We've the uh, offensive th- line for two straight weeks in our Super Bowl analysis, and then re- realized that might have been a mistake for three yeah. hours. Yeah, but Hans thinks the center of the Buccaneers should have been named MVP, not Tom Brady. And I go back and watch the game; probably agree with him too. I, I thought yeah. either Ryan, either Ryan Jensen or Shaquille Barrett should have been your Super Bowl MVP. Um. Yeah. I mean, I like, yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I mean, it's just not a very creative pick to just choose the quarterback every time. Yeah. And it's not a creative pick to not go with the uh, defensive superstar, I guess, for for league awards. I don't even think, David, it doesn't sound like you're saying that, hey, I insist he wins it. But how about some acknowledgement in the race of it? That would right, be like, nice. Like, so if I, I don't even know who's doing it, but, you know, like, uh, uh, and sadness comes across me because the guy who used to do it is Seiko Smith. But um, so I don't know if anyone's doing an MVP ladder right now. But if we, it, you know, if we go to the MVP ladder, Michael Wright had to take it over. That's sad. Um, so number one is LeBron. Fair. Number fair. two is Joel Embiid. Fair. Number three is Nikola Jokic. Fair. Number four is Kevin Durant. I guess he's been great. Fair. Number five is Kawhi Leonard. Okay, fine. Okay, but this is where the bullcrap starts. And it's not bullcrap. It's the other one. Six is Giannis. Seven is Paul George. Eight is Luca. Are you kidding me? Nine is Steph. Ten is Dame. Eleven is Jason Tatum. Other five more, Bradley Beal, Donovan Mitchell, Demata Sabonis, Kyrie Irving, Jalen Brown. Watch the beeping game. Have a clue. Kyrie Irving? Demodis Sabonis? They're five bleeping hundred. And I love Donovan, but like, at least in my book, he's been outstanding. And you need both of them. But uh, I'm sorry, Bradley Beal? So we just jack 30 shots a game, score 30, and sit on our backside on the and not even move defensively and allow 142, and you're going to put him on the MVP ladder? Like, what's the joke that's going on here? I mean, honestly, Feels irresponsible. are you surprised by it, though? Honestly? This Michael Wright debut as an MVP ladder? I'm going to say he was grief-stricken because it's bad. 
it's really bad. Yeah. Like the top five, I get it. Like it's pretty hard to deny Embiid. He's pretty good defensively. And he's great offensively. It's pretty hard to deny Jokic. I mean, it's really like it's something else to watch him right now, right? Like Durant's probably the story of the NBA. The fact he's coming back from his Achilles. Clippers have a pretty good record. I get it. Kawhi's good. Paul George has been better this year. If we're really being honest about it. Oh yeah. But like, we're not gonna like. We're gonna have the best record in the NBA. We're just not gonna mention Rudy. He's just not gonna make the list. Like seriously. On that note, David, we bid you adieu. Appreciate it. All right. Talk to you soon. Enjoy. Enjoy the van. Okay, I will. Talk to you later. <laughs> yeah, up by the uh, up by the resort just doesn't have the same ring as down by the river. It just doesn't kind of have that same. It doesn't have the same thing. No. no. Some guy just tweeted me that he's at the top of Alpha working and listening. <laughs> Love it. Thanks, David. Thanks, Thanks David. David Locke right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.